Amen, amen. You guys can grab a seat and uh, say so uh, thankful that you're here this morning at Christ Church. My name is Brian Beamant. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, listen, I love um, your uh, heart and passion uh, to gather together in worship. And uh, you guys uh, were not holding back this morning. Thank you. I believe that God is pleased in our worship and in the uh, way that we offer that passionately. And um, hey, we're in the uh, last week of um, the Start Here series, and, um, and so uh, this series has really been um, just refreshing uh, for our church. It's important to come back again and again to uh, the places where we have unity and where we want to build unity around, um, and so we've been affirming, sharpening both our mission and um, our pillars, and these, uh, this mission and the pillars should be uh, should be supporting um, and aligning and bringing unity both to our lives individually and collectively as a church. And so I'm going after in this message um, the final three pillars uh, together in one message because they're uniquely tied together in a way that I want you to see it. And so um, I promise that I'll get you out before 3 p.m., okay? So that's the plan uh, for today. But um, before we jump in, let me just pray uh, for us. God, thank you for this opportunity um, to herald your word, to bring it um, to bear, to uh, align ourselves around these things that are so clearly seen in scripture. But God, the work of bringing these to bear on our lives, individually and collectively, is something that I can encourage and point to today, but is completely and totally a work of your spirit. And so I pray that in your grace and in your power, that you might open eyes, convict hearts, and lead us to faithful obedience in these things for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Um, when uh, my family and I moved here in December of 2014, um, we, we moved here, settled in right in December, which is always the best time to move to Michigan, and, um, and, and over the last seven years, there's lots of things we've loved about living in this area, but one of the things that we've really enjoyed is watching the way uh, this area uh, particularly downtown Muskegon, has just been kind of growing, like, uh, you know, buildings that needed renovated getting renovate, renovations, and um, new buildings going up, and new developments along the lakefront, and I know that so many of you who have lived here for a lot longer than me know how um, awesome of a place this is to live, and to um, raise a family, and uh, just to do life together, and um, as these b uh, bigger buildings have gone up, um, you know, one of the things you recognize about bigger buildings going up is that the foundation is concrete. Uh, it has to be a secure foundation. And I remember when I was living in Chicago, watching buildings go up all the time, and, and whether they needed to be demolished because the foundation wasn't secure, or whether they were going up, there was a painstaking process to make sure that the foundation was solid. And so in, in kind of looking into that this week, I was studying concrete. I know, super interesting. Um, here's the thing I, I, I learned that was interesting to me. Um, concrete doesn't cure quickly. It takes 24 to 48 hours, for those who don't know, for it, to, for it to feel solid, but actually 28 days for it to cure completely. And in those 28 days, um, if you make sure that water is, or moisture is over uh, the concrete, it actually grows 50% stronger than if you didn't do that. And as I was thinking about that in light of us sitting here over the past few weeks and today finishing up this conversation about pillars, I want you to know that my heart for you and for me is that these pillars would 
fully cure in your life. And that's not going to happen simply by uh, thinking about these for 24 to 48 hours and being like, yeah, I believe that. I, I want that in my life. It comes when we really purposefully over a longer period of time make sure that these pillars and these truths cure into our lives, into our hearts. And one of the ways that that happens is, is by us continuing to submit ourselves under the water of God's word to allow it to grow even stronger. Do you see the connection between the illustrations here? And that is what it looks like when we talk about pillars. These are things that we can talk about. I believe they're secure and foundational in, in the scriptures. But when we're bringing those pillars and establishing them in our own heart, we want to make sure that they're fully cured and that they're ready for everything God wants to build on our lives and out of our lives. And so the first three pillars that we talked about were a bold preaching, fervent prayer, and passionate worship last week. Today, courageous evangelism, purposeful discipleship, and strategic church planting. Let's jump in with the first one, courageous evangelism, proclaim the gospel with courage. So if you've got your Bible with you, John 20, 21, Jesus, after the resurrection, is hanging out with his disciples before his ascension, and he makes their purpose very clear. Jesus said to them again, here in John 20, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I want you to understand and step back for a moment of the specifics of John 20 and just understand that Jesus was sent into the world to proclaim the kingdom of God. In Jesus entering into the world, literally and supernaturally what was happening is the kingdom of God was literally, through Jesus coming into the world, the kingdom of God was breaking into the world. Think about a light in the midst of darkness spreading. Think about something almost wedging its way into a place that's hard and broken and creating space for goodness and life. The kingdom of God was breaking in through Jesus. And so he, as a result of that, proclaimed the kingdom and proclaimed himself as uh, the son of God and then through his actions, both in his ministry and his death and his resurrection and through the sending of the Spirit later, he moved and extended that salvation, that invitation into the kingdom of God. He extended it to the world. And just like Jesus was sent into the world to proclaim the gospel and to break in the kingdom, his disciples are also sent into the world to proclaim the gospel, to invite people into the kingdom of God. We just, in the last month, um, in December, and a little bit of, in the end of November, we uh, spent time in our church in a series on evangelism called Sharing Christmas. Because the truths of Christ aren't just meant to be uh, kept for ourselves and, and living out of the joy of that, we're meant to share them. God has called us, those of us who are disciples of Jesus Christ, to be gospel witnesses. And for some here today who don't yet know Jesus, for you to hear that message and a Lord willing, by the work of God's Spirit, come to faith in Christ. But the message is clear. The message is Jesus. We're sent to testify about Jesus, empowered by God's Spirit, calling people, as we said many times in this series most recently, to repent and believe, 
To repent, meaning there is a, a, a category of living, an idea of how to view life and the world that is selfish, that leads to sin and death, and I am rejecting that, I'm repenting of it, I'm turning from that way of thinking and that way of living, and I'm turning and I'm believing. I'm believing in the person of Jesus as revealed in his word, and now I'm committing in my believing to following the way of Jesus as a disciple of Christ. And church, we're sent to proclaim this gospel, this repent and believe, with courage, just as Jesus did it. But I I want you to be certain of this because I want this to be a characteristic, a balance, you could say, in this pillar. Remember Jesus' example, he brought the gospel and his courageousness in bringing the gospel required both evangelism and compassion. Do not separate them. It happens too often in the church, too often in teaching about evangelism or compassion. They eliminate the categories. They separate them wrongly. Too often people uh, try to separate these. Sometimes people go, it's all about evangelism. Just get the gospel shared. Just share it. Even if the person's like, I don't even know if you care about me. Just, Just share it and move on. That's weighing too much, too heavy on one side of this. Also, if people emphasize compassion too heavy on the other side, it's like, well, I just want to meet people's felt needs, but I'm not going to open my mouth about the person of Jesus. And so as we talk about uh, uh, courageous evangelism, we want to be like Jesus was, and those aren't separate categories, but they're like this. Remember what Jesus did. He addressed basic needs. He healed people's brokenness right in front of the onlookers. He fed the hungry, and he also told them about himself, pointed to the fact that their faith needed to be engaged in following him, and called them to follow him, and invited them into the eternal kingdom of God. Always together in his ministry, evangelism and compassion. And if we want to live as sent ones, like Jesus, our heart in courageous evangelism needs to have both of those worlds together. And I promise you that in my time as a pastor, I've almost always found that people tend to default towards one extreme or the other. And so um, bring those together. That's the heart in um, courageous evangelism. And, and, and so I want you to have the courage in evangelism, church, as we go out to both, here's the way I would sum it up, I want you to go out into the world to both care and share, care and share. And if you're concerned about both of those, there will be a courageousness to your evangelism and a warmth to it that I believe uh, honors God and emulates and follows his spirit and his example. Courageous evangelism Proclaim the gospel with courage. We are sent ones. That's why we say it at the end of every service to go and proclaim the gospel. Then the second one, purposeful discipleship. Make disciples purposefully. This has been the series of very clever taglines. I know. Make disciples purposefully. And what happens um, that I've noticed is, is that too often... We, when talking about discipleship, and we've done this in our church too, we, we sort of default, I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes if you've got that like favorite passage that is just like your favorite passage on a different subject, and sometimes you default it, default to that passage a bit too much, right? Like I got my favorite passages on different subjects, like I'm sure you do, and where we oftentimes go and we're talking about discipleship, 
is we go to Matthew 28, right? Where it says, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them, and then that part that I think is so important for every church to acknowledge, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And we get there, and, and, and I think it's, it's right and good to go there, but this morning what I want to do is I want to focus us on 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Paul, writing here, he says, and I want you to notice the character of this verse. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. I I think that in the church, um, both at times in my involvement and I think oftentimes in the involvement of people that uh, come regularly to a church, I I think that um, we have at times not seen the full picture. And we think about teaching and we think about it almost like an information transfer. I think it's one of the realities of growing up in the culture we've grown up in where someone's teaching, it's like I take notes and then I get a test on that and then that's just the way it sort of plays out. And I, I think there's something that was more Um, communal about an understanding of learning and teaching in the context of the New Testament and that culture. To go even one step more, I would say that um, this passage is so interesting. I want you to see that this calling to discipleship is hard. This move of repent and believe is not something that's just like, sweet, that's so easy to let go of the things of sin that are born into my very soul. And, and now I'm just gonna like let it go and just believe. There is a, there's a war playing out here. And what I want you to see about the nature of this is that in the midst of purposeful discipleship, there has to be a learning about the gospel of God within the context of community. Look, at the beginning, it's almost like it's a sandwich. It's like being affectionately desirous of you. We're gonna share with you not only the gospel of God, the thing that's gonna challenge your soul and it's gonna, it's gonna wreck how you've been thinking about your life. And then at the bottom it says, because um, you had become very dear to us. And there's this affection around this subject in community. And, and what I want you to hear that is a heart of this pillar in our church is that we would live out the truth of God's word together together church this is discipleship growing in the truth of the gospel learning and and learning how to not only know the gospel of god but also to live it and i'm telling you you need the support and encouragement of the local church and local believers around you in that if you really want to live it out i want you to know that if you really desire to love someone if you really desire to uh, want the best for them we need to be a people that are sharing the truth of the gospel with them. That's why in, in any local church, purposeful discipleship has to include training in the gospel, learning how to live it out, and then doing that in the context of community. Training is needed, real training Significant investment in the training is needed because living out the gospel, uh, making the kingdom of God come into and intersect and enter in and break into your life 
Remember, the kingdom of God is breaking into the darkness and the brokenness of this world. That is not an easy thing. And as I was illustrating earlier, it is a war. That's everywhere in God's word. John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. James 4, passions are at war within you. 1 Peter 2, abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. 2 Corinthians 10, weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds. Colossians 1 says that people in the gospel are being delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. Ephesians 6 says put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's everywhere. Church, when you, when you, when you capture all of this language in the New Testament, there, there should be a connection that goes, that is dangerous and dark. And for me to live in that war, I've got to be trained to be ready. I've got to be trained to be ready. In the military, when people are preparing for war, training is not only essential, but it is clear, concise, thorough, and it happens in every single previous to every single mission or move because they're trying to prepare the soldiers for what they're going to face. Strong training gives the best chance for victory. The soldiers have to learn to use their weapons correctly. They have to learn how to communicate well among each other. They have to work together with one another. They have to reinforce the mission and specific plan. They have to be prepared for any issue that might arise that they could imagine. That gives them the best chance for victory. If you have mediocre training, though, people are like, yeah, I'm not really sure I know how to use that, but, you know, whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah I, th I think some people will be in the battle with me, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure who they are. And if you get victory after mediocre training, there's nothing to be proud of. It's just like, somehow we won. I'm not really sure how. Now, if it's poor training... That means people sometimes don't even know that they have weapons. They're like, weapons? I didn't know I had them. And I definitely don't know how to use them. That's a weapon. And, and, and then, and then they, they don't even recognize who their enemy is. They don't even know there's people that are supposed to be fighting along with them. And with poor training, it leads to a lack of preparedness. It leads to disunity. It leads to chaos and essentially guaranteed death. This is why we have to address and are, and I'm going to give you a picture of what that looks like in our church. We have to address the need to be trained in the local church. The need to be training disciples individually and collectively so that we're not people that have an abundance of weapons to use and wisdom to guide us, and yet we're like, I don't even know that I have that. And and our church has to grow in this area. And I want you to know we're addressing it at a number of levels. And I want to challenge you that through this truth that I've sort of painted in the arena of our lives, you have to fully buy into this. I believe it's what God's heart is for us. That's why it's a pillar, purposeful discipleship. That's why in sharpening the pillars, we wanted to make sure this one was clear to our church. So where does discipleship training happen at Christ Church? Let me, let me break it down for you, what I believe Scripture teaches. Let me give you some summaries. First, individually. It happens individually. There's an individual training. 
soldiers don't just have what they do together, they have also what they do independently. The way they prepare their bodies for the battle. In the same way, we have, through the grace of God, we have God's word that, that's right in your lap that, 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 that can guide you and prepare you and train you. We have the grace of prayer where we can approach God and have a relationship with him because before we have community with others, we wanna have community with God in relationship with him. And so part of this grows individually as we learn from God's word, as we engage in prayer, as we repent, as we worship, they all stir our hearts up and, and solidifies a strength in us in our commitment to love God and love others. Then relationally, after individually, relationally. Relationally means that what in my relationships, I am purposefully looking to bring the focus back to my primary identity as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let me just let, me just let that set on you. In my relationships, I am, I am moving in every way to bring this primary identity, remind myself of it, of it um, lean into it, have conversations about my primary identity as a disciple of Christ. With your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, because... In that, we stir one another up to follow Jesus, and we need it in this war. Then after relationally is corporately. We have a variety of ways we do this in the context of our church. Uh, one of the ways is community groups that um, uh, Dylan leads as uh, uh, the leader of adult ministries, and he can help you get connected if you're not in one, and these community groups meet regularly for the purpose of, of, of welcoming one another and, and sharing our lives, but also prayer in the word and doing that regularly with a smaller group. Then we have age-specific ministries, like you heard this morning. We've got a women's retreat coming up, and we've got a men's night tonight. And these are other opportunities for us to rally together corporately in discipleship. A counseling plays out in and around our church and outside our church in various ways, biblical counseling. And for a while, though, I want you guys to know that as we've processed through this over the uh, last years, we've felt like there's been some aspect of this kind of missing. You know when you just feel like there's something that's lacking that you want to figure out how this should play out in the context of the church? And, um, and so I want you to know we're launching something new uh, coming up in March of this year. Um, it is what we're calling Christ Church Institute. And this is um, in the month of March, a learn to live is kind of the tagline because that's really what purposeful discipleship is. It's not just learning, it's learning to live learning to live as disciples of Christ. And so in March, a Monday through Wednesday, starting the first full week of March for four weeks, on those nights, we're gonna offer um, a number of different classes each night. Those classes are going to have an intentional community component to them. Because we don't want you just to come and just be like, receiving, I'm just receiving information. We want you also to relate with some people that are part of our church. And we're gonna be covering some topics like this. A marriage foundations, how to read the Bible for all it's worth, right thinking, changing our minds biblically, identity in Christ, and on and on, you can see. 
And these classes are going to be offered on different nights, and then over time, we're going to teach them again in the future. But in this moment, we're going to do it all within the month of March. And so we're encouraging people who are in, currently in community groups to kind of, uh, kind of pause that a little bit and step back and get here on maybe the night that you meet, if that works out for you. If you're not in a community group yet, come be a part of one of these classes. Get to know some people in a context of learning and growing together as disciples of Jesus Christ. Purposeful discipleship. You can come to one or, or, or you can come multiple nights. I don't care. We're just excited to offer this. The other thing I'm excited about, out of those um, eight to nine classes that we're going to have, um, I'm teaching one of them. And Dylan's teaching the rest. Kidding, kidding. Um, poor Dylan, that'd be terrible. And um, no, we have, we, have, we, have a, we have eight or nine, we're still finalizing it, um, individual people teaching these classes to our church. And I am so thrilled by that. I'm so thankful for Dylan's leadership around this. Um, we've been working on this for months. Um, we're, we're not just encouraging, we're encouraging anybody from sixth grade up. We're, I've talked to Colin, we're encouraging our students to, to come to these classes. How awesome for, for, for there to be a place where, where there can be um, a student with someone from a, a completely different generation or stage of life. And, and allowing it to kind of come out of what is normally just a, a student ministry with junior high and high school together. And I just love um, the, the heart behind this, some of the preparation that's going into this over time to help our church understand some of the essentials of purposeful discipleship. We're going to, in the future, establish a sort of discipleship essentials, kind of almost like a core curriculum and we know that you can't take every class, nor would it be wise to take every class all at once. So we're going to put a vision in front of our church in the coming months and year that, that, that over a number of years of being a part of Christ's church, that you would go through the discipleship essentials core curriculum. Why? Because we want to be trained as disciples. We don't just want to like navigate in a mediocre way through life. We want to have strong training so we got the best opportunity for victory in this life and we can more clearly proclaim the gospel and live the gospel in our world, amen? So pray for us in that. Pray for us and I challenge you and I'm calling you to prioritize this individually, relationally, and corporately. Make a sacrifice. You've got to make a sacrifice to organize your life around this priority. If I was to sit with you and give you my testimony, you would see a process of moving through a training so that I can live these truths that I hold so deeply. But the first assignment is for us to engage in this. It's God's will for our life together, purposeful discipleship, to follow Jesus. And we've got to make a concerted effort to learn and to follow, to let the gospel of God be in the midst of all that we do. So pray for God to lead and bless those efforts. Purposeful discipleship, make disciples purposely. And then this last one. Strategic church planting, aim to multiply churches. Here we're in Acts chapter 14, verse 23. It's sort of the theme verse for this pillar. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Those of you who have been with us over the past a few years know that we, um, in the fall, we ended a series through the entire book of Acts. And so this is a little refresher. And uh, we watched as after Jesus ascended, 
he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit just broke open in the midst of the church, filled and empowered God's Christ's disciples, and they couldn't contain this gospel. It started in Jerusalem, and, and, and then, and then the, the story of Acts is really the gospel extending itself out. It couldn't be contained. Why? Because the people were engaging in courageous evangelism and purposeful discipleship. And then they got to a point where they're like, they need to know. Like, that's a little far away. Well, let's find someone out there who we can uh, lead to Jesus Christ, and then we can uh, disciple them, and then we can plant churches in these areas. And if to follow the history of the book of Acts is to see the church go out from Jerusalem, and then churches started in Samaria, and then they started to move all around the area into modern-day Europe in places like Philippi and Ephesus and Rome. And then Acts ends, but church planting doesn't. And the church just continued to grow all throughout Europe into Africa, eventually to the Americas and around the world. And Jesus will continue that process until he returns. And so we have to be a part of this. We, we have to be concerned about this. Strategic church planting is the primary biblical method for expanding the kingdom of God until Christ returns. See Peter Wagner, who's written a much on church growth, describes church planting as the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven. In our own association of churches, the Great Commission Collective, here's what's on the front of our website. Planting churches, strengthening leaders. That's what we're going after. That's what we're chasing. It's been happening since the book of Acts and it's continuing and it has to be a pillar in our church. So the question you might ask is, um, how has this been happening in our church, even in the first seven years, six, seven years of our church? Um, those of you who have, who have been with us for a number of years know that um, locally, uh, we both supported and sent people out from our church to help uh, launch a Harvest Fremont. And we were a product of a church plant um, from Harvest Spring Lake. And through our relationship with other GCC churches, we are continuing uh, to encourage other church planters. I'm in conversations and meetings sometimes and prayer things with some of these uh, men that have uh, planted churches in so many different places in our region and in our world. Internationally, personally at this church, we've supported church plants in Kenya and in Haiti. Um, it, we, we've investigated opportunities in, in Spain and Greece. And we're currently supporting, actively supporting a church plant in Dublin, Ireland. And our heart really church is to do exactly what Acts 14 says. We want to support and care for a church plant until they appoint elders and then they're autonomous and moving forward to fulfill the mission God's given every local church. And so I know one of the things we're really trying to do in this next year is communicate better and more regularly about this to our church. And where we've um, failed in that, um, I appreciate your patience. Um, I really do. We're really trying to grow in this area and um, are going to have conversations about this in the coming weeks. Um, I want you to also know that we're prayerfully considering and, uh, you know, um, that God would lead us to some other opportunities locally and internationally. 
And what I want you to do right now, in, in, as you think about this pillar curing or becoming more solid in our churches, I just want to call you to pray. I, I want you not just to pray for individual gospel opportunities in evangelism or opportunities to bring the gospel of God in a greater way to people's lives in purposeful discipleship. But I want you to pray outward, looking outward, strategically for where God might lead our church to either take the lead or be a part of a group looking to plant churches. Because here's what I know. Church planting, you can't just be like, we're gonna get this done. Like, I got the schedule and the plan, we're just gonna make this happen. So many mistakes in church planting have happened because people have done that. God has to raise up a person or a group of people and an opportunity. And when those two come together, now you've got, an, uh, you've, got, you've got a move you can make. And within the context of our association of churches, we have great ways to get training, to test that out, to look at the opportunity, to process through that, to rally other churches together. And it's awesome to work together on that. But I just want you to pray right now that God would lead us, that God continue to work through our relationship with the church in Dublin, Ireland, Hope Church, and uh, just continue to pray. Strategic church planting, aim to multiply churches. And in due time, we believe God will open those doors. Start here. Start here. Um, this series has been an opportunity for us to sharpen our mission and our pillars. So let's just review together. Mission. Our mission. We exist to glorify God by loving God, loving others, and making disciples of all nations. Six pillars. Bold preaching, fervent prayer, passionate worship, courageous evangelism, purposeful discipleship, strategic church planting. I want you to see, as I was reflecting on these this week, I want you to see how they come together and they start to move us forward in sort of gospel action and, and actually uh, uh, the, the, the picture of motion and movement is something that I think about a lot in the midst of our church and personally. And this was sort of the, the, the picture that I think sort of sums it up. How, how do these pillars come together um, to, to, to break God's kingdom into our dark world? Well, the three that I talked about today are what I would call a replicating cycle. They, they sort of repeat. Think about it, courageous evangelism, like we share the gospel. And then God leads people to put their faith in Christ. And now these people who have come to Christ aren't just like, well, I'm really glad I believe in Jesus. They're like, no, I want to follow Jesus. So courageous evangelism leads to purposeful discipleship. Like, I want to grow. I want it to be purposeful. I want it to mean something. I don't just want it to be religious activity. And then out of purposeful discipleship, it leads to strategic church planting because people get really fired up about following Jesus and the victory and the joy and the peace and the glory and the goodness of the gospel starts to play out in our lives. And we're like, I want other people to know and we start thinking about here, and we start thinking about there, and God begins to awaken our hearts to that. And some people who maybe never thought that they could, like I certainly didn't when I was in high school or college, or some people start thinking, maybe I, maybe, maybe I could be a part of leading that forward, and God brings those people through the church and out of the church, and there's awesome opportunities that we could have together. And what fuels this motion is what we've talked about over the last three weeks. 
It's bold preaching where God's word has authority and it's starting to turn our lives in multiple ways. And then, and then in fervent prayer, we're saying, God, there's nothing that we can do, nothing that will honor you without you moving. There's a desperation that we have. And then when that's playing out, passionate worship begins. And our, our hands get off our life and, and our hands get up reaching out to what God might do through our lives. And it's that center that fuels the cycle of courageous evangelism and purposeful discipleship and strategic church planting. And this movement, this movement, this kingdom motion is what fulfills the mission. Over the, over the past two years and, and many times before that in my time in ministry, um, people have asked me if, if I had thought about in a certainly sort of a dark or confusing time in history, people have always asked me, a number of people, every single time this happens. Um, they've been like, are you, are, is it the time? Are, are you gonna, you sh- maybe you should teach a series on Revelation. And I always kind of laugh because it happens every single time our world kind of goes through something difficult. People are like, is this the end? Is this the end? And I, I might eventually teach through Revelation, but for now, let me just give you the foundation of my end times theology. We are in the last days and then Christ is going to return. And I'm not wasting my time, nor do I think you should, based on my understanding of all of Scripture, I'm not going to spend my time looking for the stars to align or the right moons to rise or something to align in Israel. Church, clearly, clearly in God's word, we are in the last part of redemptive history. Jesus has come. He, He came and he gave us the gospel. He walked in our world. He showed compassion. He loved people and pointed them to the kingdom of God. He led them to himself and said, follow me. I'm gonna take us to the promised land. Follow me. He already gave us everything in his ministry, in his message, in his death on the cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his giving and sending of the spirit and his continual intercession for us. All of the Old Testament prophecies have been fulfilled in Jesus and his church. The gospel has been extended to the whole world. Nothing else has to happen for the end to come except for God in his wisdom to decide that it is done. And in the moments that you and I have left with whatever breath we have left in our lungs or that moment when Jesus will decide to return and interrupt it all, we have a mission And God has given us in the pillars all the security we need to carry it forward. The enemy has been poured out in these days to oppose the work. Get get your focus off all of the circumstances and events and situations and, and, and focus on is this the end and focus on living your mission out until the end. Press into the community around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ and herald it in all of its glory and beauty, whether rejected or not. And, and lean into discipleship, not making it more complex than it needs to be, but in the simplicity and the glory of the gospel of God. And, 
and train people in that, to live it out, to live it out. Be trained and then train. And then as our church grows in mission focus, we will have healthy disciples, multiplying healthy servant leaders, multiplying healthy ministries, multiplying healthy churches until Christ returns. This is our mission, and these pillars are the foundation to lead us forward. Focus here, start here. Let's pray. God, I I love, love, love what you've given us in your word. The, the view on this world and our lives through the truth of your scriptures and through the work of your power and through the presence of your spirit has completely wrecked my life. And so many in here, God, have been like Paul on the Damascus Road, blinded to their own sin to their need for repentance and God through the work of your spirit you have opened their eyes to the truth and the glory of Jesus Christ. And Father for some in this room maybe whose eyes have not yet been opened I pray Jesus this morning that you would open their eyes. That they would see that there's a war so much bigger or maybe in some ways that they've even sensed. I pray that they would see that in the gospel that there is a God who has come to communicate a message of redemption and restoration and reconciliation and they, in repentance and belief, can have their life completely and totally reconciled. And God, in this world that we now live in the war in which it is, I am asking and praying that these pillars would cure in our life. Let the water of your word pour over our souls. Let us be stirred in these things, committed to these things, always examining them and making sure that they're strong and firm in our life and heart. And in that, God, through that uh, kingdom motion, I pray that we would be faithful to the mission that you've called us to. With whatever moments or years or decades we have remaining, God, we pray and ask this. Keep us submitted under your authority in this. Empower us for this. Lead us forward, God. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to learn and to receive your word and truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.